0: ¶¶ Welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, quipster.net. I've been doing film reviews since 1996, and I cover all eras of films, including the 1980s, especially in the 1980s, but I also cover brand new movies that are out in the theaters right now. I invite you to check out all of my written work at my website, quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I also invite you to check out my other podcast called the Quipster Film Review Podcast, you can catch my reviews of films that are brand new to theaters check that out the quipster film review podcast is what to search for the secret of nim is the film i'm going to be reviewing today it kicks off the first of three films that are by dom bluth and dom bluth studios or sullivan studios or whatever you want to call it Animated fantasy, it is G-rated, suitable for all audiences, and it runs an hour and 22 minutes. The voice cast for this animated feature is credited to Elizabeth Hartman, Dom DeLuise, Derek Jacobi, Arthur Millett, Hermione Baddeley, and it includes the debut, I believe, the big screen debut of future stars Shannon Doherty and Will Wheaton. Don Bluth is the director. Don Bluth also provides a screenplay along with fellow animators Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy. It's based on a book by Robert C. O'Brien called Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim." Now, Don Bluth, in the 1980s, sparked his own independent, full-fledged animated family film studio that was meant to compete with his old employer, Disney, at their own game because he, along with about two other animators and a whole bunch of artists, were concerned with the skimping on quality within Disney in order to make more profit. They were cost-cutting, really, at the time, and it really showed, I think, in the quality of the work, and the animators and the artists there felt like something was missing, and they weren't really being enriched. They were just enriching the coffers of Disney at the time. Enlisting the services of many other defectors from the House of Mouse, The Secret of Nim is Don Bluth's first full-feature effort. This is an attempt to bring back animation to the heyday of Disney in the 1930s and the 1940s in terms of the overall quality and the ingenuity, the craftsmanship of the art that is delivered in The Secret of Nim*. that is delivered in an animated form. Although this is in keeping with the style of Disney designs and its character work, this is certainly much more of a sophisticated effort to come out during the period of the 1980s, especially the early 1980s. It offers good storytelling, has rich, mature themes underneath the comical characters and the fantastical situations. Don Bluth and company had been frustrated that Disney had been growing away from the quality that they once showed in their animation studios back when Walt Disney was the head of the studio before his passing. And The Secret of Nim promised a return to the level that many felt that Disney should always be striving to achieve. Secret of NIMH, as a story, it's about a widowed mouse and a mother of four young mice named Mrs. Brisby. Now, you will notice that I did say that it was based on a book by Robert C. O'Brien. It was a 1971 Newbery Award winner, and the main name, Mrs. Frisby, was changed to Brisby because of a potential lawsuit that the creators of this film felt that they might receive from wham who were the trademark owners of the popular toy, the Frisbee. They actually went to WAMO in order to make sure that there was not going to be any problems with using Mrs. Frisbee, and they were told by WAMO, no, don't use it. All of the vocal work had already been recorded, so they ended up having to use a little bit of editing here and there to change the F to a B. So Mrs. Frisbee is taking care of her children, and the youngest of whom has come down with a nasty case of pneumonia that requires as much rest and warmth as he can get if he wants to get a chance to survive. And due to the illness, the Frisbee family is not yet able to make their migration from their home in a field in order to avoid the threshing of the farmer's machinery, which is starting earlier this year. They usually do this later in the year, but now it's starting, and that leaves Mrs. Brisby a very tough choice on what to do with Timmy if the family needs to move, but he can't because of his pneumonia. Now, with the help of a wise great owl, Mrs. Brisby beseeches the ultra-smart rats of NIM, NIM standing for the National Institute of Mental Health, this is something that's only said once in the film, so you could miss it in terms of what Nim actually represents. These rats of Nim are escapees from a radical experimental laboratory that gave them their insight, which they use to create an elaborate underground city, and they end up having to try to help Mrs. Brisby and family to get out of harm's way in time. So there's more to the story than that. It actually is a relatively complicated plot for a children's film. While the style of the animation is familiar, The Secret of Nim* is a very beautifully detailed film, especially in its use of backgrounds. It's a stunning-looking movie for its era. If you compare it to other Disney films of the era, you can readily see anything from 101 Dalmatians on. You can see the level of detail that got very sketchy in the Disney films, but they're very rich in The Secret of Nim*. The characters are cute in design, but there's an overall eeriness to the environments and the visual animation that keeps the tone of this film very dark, Much more unsettling than one might expect from animation of the era, which, you know, if you look at Disney of that era, those films were built much more so in order to sell toys than to inspire children to think creatively. The level of detail into the aspects of the animation that Disney had been growing further away from, those backgrounds, the lighting effects, the color palettes, those are a crowning achievement in The Secret of Nim*. There's a level of texture that's rare to find in any era of animation, and most certainly in the 1980s. This is also very beautifully scored by the great Jerry Goldsmith. This is one of his finer compositions. I do note that there are some similarities with his score for Poltergeist, which he also composed the same year. And as far as the score goes, Jerry Goldsmith had a really difficult time because there was a tight production schedule for The Secret of NIMH. They had to finish this in about two and a half years. And a lot of that work was being done as it went along. So he had to score scenes that had not yet been completed, And even when he scored those scenes, they were still being tinkered with constantly. So he had to continue to revise and revise his score. And that was a great challenge at the time. As I mentioned, there's a somewhat complicated plot to this film. It may be a little bit too much for younger kids to fully grasp. It's a bit on the dark side, too. That's one of the reasons that Disney originally passed on this project back in 1972 when it had originally been pitched to them. They thought, too dark, too complicated, don't want to deal with it. You know, that's definitely a commercial decision I think for them. In addition to the backstory that regards human experimentation on animals, we also come to know and like there's also the fact that there's dissension among the rats. It's embodied in the scheming and power-mad rat named Jenner as to which direction that the rats are going to go. Will they break from human society and start their own society or are they going to continue to rely on humans for their livelihood? The rats with the help of their wizard-like leader Nicodemus harness a kind of spooky magic in order to observe and control their environment, and that further adds to the eeriness of the film's mysterious visual potency. And then there's also Dragon, kind of a scary character in this film. It's actually the farmer's cat, nothing that scary, but when you come to know and like these mice and rats, you really do feel a sense of danger. Dragon lurks about ready to consume any of the heroes that he can get his claws on, including Mrs. Brisby's deceased husband, we come to learn. And lastly, there's Nim, the hospital of experimentation where they've determined that the only way to deal with the problem now is for these humans to exterminate all of the rats. Character models are very much in the Disney tradition. That's not a surprise given the amount of animators who had previously worked for the company before joining with Bluth on this quest to do things their own way. Now one thing that I really have not seen written as much is that there is an attraction that Don Bluth must have had a connection as well as the other people who were animating this story You know, the thematic material is almost meta in that there's a group of super talented entities that have escaped from a madhouse where they have no free will, and then they end up eventually hoping to stop relying on their captors in order to have a freedom and independence to do as they choose. You know, a metaphor there, like the Rats of Nim. so too do the creative forces among the artists, wish they could have stopped relying on the work that they had to do for Disney on the side for their sustenance in order to be able to make it on their own, to be able to have their own free will and to do things that they feel will be beneficial instead of this mechanical and clinical way that sucks out their very souls. Jenner here, the representation of those who feel like the status quo should be upheld. They rely on their former captors. That's better than starting up this new and independent life of the unknown. He's willing to sabotage the pack's efforts to advance beyond their existence, and he becomes the film's heavy, so you can see where Dom Bluth And the other animators really stood on that aspect and maybe a commentary on those people who really did not leave Disney in order to join forces with them. The themes of The Secret of Nim* explore the values of family, of friendship, of the perseverance and courage, even in the face of overwhelming odds, in order to protect what is valued most. In a more minor sense, the story within The Secret of Nim* also suggests that human experimentation on animals is not a good thing. They're all living and thinking and loving creatures that serve a greater role in the community, and even if humans can't see the importance in front of our eyes, they are nevertheless there. This is a point that's emphasized more in the novel than the film that it's adapted from, which is the novel is much more science-based, whereas the film introduces the harnessing of magical forces as part of its reason as to why things have changed among the animals. Bluth did get some criticism from fans of the book, but Bluth defended that by stating that the changes mirrored the work of animation, which he compares to magic itself. That's still in keeping with the themes of artists who use their skills in order to bring drawings to life and that's part of the magic process. And and it also within the course of an eighty plus minute movie, it's just easier in order to have some sort of symbolism to be able to take a little bit of narrative shortcuts. This is a very complicated film, so that was just one of the narrative devices that was explored in order to make sure that kids could readily understand ...what was going on. The Secret of them, above all of that, it's a top-notch professional production. Perhaps it's more admirable than it is compelling for younger viewers, but I do think that if viewers are patient, even kids, young kids, can still get into it if they're diligent... In maintaining interest in the story and the characters without growing restless, it can be engaging in the moment. This is a film full of rich developments, surprisingly mature themes, and it's told with refreshingly unusual underlying subtlety and grace. And it showcases what artists can create when art comes above profits. Sadly, despite the impeccable quality of The Secret of Nim, it would prove to be only marginally profitable for Don Bluth's Vanguard venture. It made only a quarter of what the mostly forgettable Disney film The Fox and the Hound earned at the box office the year before. Distributor MGM pushed its release date back in order to compete with other summer releases and then did very little to advertise that release. And in the wake of such films as ET, which was released less than a month prior to the Secret of NIM, this movie only found a very small slice of the family film-going pie awaiting them. People were watching E.T. multiple times rather than going to the theater and seeing a new film. So Steven Spielberg, the director of E.T., would make it up to Don Bluth by producing his next two films, An American Tale and The Land Before Time, which proved to be much more lucrative. I'll get to that in a moment. So the box office performance had to have been very disappointing for all of the artists and the animators that were involved, given that they worked some very, very long hours to get the production done. They had a very short 30-month schedule, little to no pay. That's about half the normal schedule that is usually afforded an animated feature. In order to accommodate that time frame, a lot of them ended up working over a hundred hour weeks to make sure that they made their deadline. And as I mentioned, they weren't really getting paid. The only thing that a lot of them were offered was a share of the profits on the back end. And those ended up not really being there. So luckily for some of those animators and those artists, the film has earned a cult following in video sales. It's become a beloved favorite for many who missed its theatrical run the first time around. And repeat viewings offer greater rewards. It's great on home video where you can watch it again and again and really get into the nuances of the film that are there. In part due to the defection of the animators like Don Bluth and company, Disney eventually did return to making its artistry a priority not long after the release of The Secret of Nim*, especially after Don Bluth and Steven Spielberg's An American Tale and The Lamb Before Time. In contrast to The Secret of Nim*, both of those films that Bluth did for Spielberg outgrossed every traditionally animated Disney film that they had made since The Jungle Book back in 1967, so nearly 20 years And that reality check ended up culminating in a change within Disney, who began a production on The Little Mermaid, which was released in theaters in 1989, and that kicked off the Disney renaissance of the 1990s. And so even if Bluth never really was able to challenge Disney toe-to-toe in terms of box office appeal, in the long run, at least had some contribution into the way that Disney ended up changing the way that they viewed their animated features, and it resulted in a lot of really great Disney films throughout the 1990s. But, of course, I'm reviewing The Secret of Nim here, and as a film, I'm going to give The Secret of Nim three and a half stars. Three and a half stars on my scale means I do think that this is a good movie. If this sounds of appeal to you, if you love animated features, if you love Disney, and you really want to see an enriching and interesting and complex and very visually striking animated feature done from the 1980s, back in the age of swords and sorcery movies, and a lot of that magic was captured here, a lot of nostalgia I derived from watching this film. This was a first-time watch for me, and I ended up really, really, really enjoying The Secret of Nim*. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. A good film, and I do think it's worth seeking out if this at all sounds of interest to you. Coming up next, I'm gonna continue with the Dom Bluth films. I'm gonna actually review the two films that I've already discussed within the course of this film, An American Tale and The Lamb Before Time. An American Tale will be next. So if you like to keep up with the films before I review them, check out an American Tale and click that subscribe button. I'll continue to deliver all of the 1980s films throughout, not only the United States, not only the big blockbusters, but also the obscure films, the cult films, the foreign films, and everything in between. So we're really gonna get deep into the 1980s. And I really do hope that you join me for that because this really is an incredible era for films. So until next time, thank you everyone for listening and joining me around the world in 80s movies.